Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Are you ready? Are you ready? Because we're going to, get, we're going to hit the ground running. I'm very excited for this morning. Whew. I believe this morning God wants to bring a word that's going to really shake you and I up. Who's excited to have something shaken out of your life? You say that now. You have no idea what I'm about to preach. Make sure you respond like that after my sermon. I'm just kidding. Um, I believe in this next season, I truly believe that God is coming like a consuming, all-consuming fire. I I love Leon, I think, preached such a prophetic word a couple of weeks ago where religion is done. Relationship is here and is about to come and purify everything about us. So if you're ready, be as vocal as my friend over here. (laughs) CJ, CJ. Titus 2.14 says, "He, He who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. I feel that this fire is going to be contagious. I feel that it's going to be this refining fire. I know Leon said it last time, but there's a refining about to take place. You know, there's, this fire is coming. And it's up to you whether you jump in, get refined, or you wait and let it pass through you and let it burn you up. Either way, the fire is coming. I don't know about you. I want to ready myself so I'm purified in the fire and the gold comes out and the dirt gets fired away. It's not just the warm and fuzzy feelings. Like I see a church that's on fire, that's passionate and in love with Jesus more so than when we first met Jesus. My wife and I are counseling. Well, we're seeing a couple in our church who's looking at getting married. And it's really cool because they're coming up to us and wanting to put boundaries and things in their, in their relationship. But they're like, you know, well, we just love each other. We just can't stop hugging and holding hands. And we just love. It's like that first, you know, like, you know, when you first start dates, like, kind of stuff. You know, that's when we first got saved. We just want more of Jesus, more and more of Jesus. You know what? I've been Christian um, now almost 20 years, and I don't want to be just like when I first fell in love with Jesus, just like my wife now, 15 years of marriage. I want to be red hot fire more in love than Jesus Because back then, I only knew a little bit about Jesus. I only knew that He saved my life. Now I know so much more. I want to be that on fire, in love, fired up for Jesus, sold out to His kingdom. So I believe this morning, God has awakened sleeping giants in the faith. He's awakening fathers, mothers. He's awakening people to live in the purest light of Christ possible. So I'm done. I'm done. We're done. We're going to be sold out for Christ. Amen? Sold out. Galatians 2.20 says this, I am crucified with Christ. 
Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. I want to welcome you this morning to GGC Life First Corporate Funeral, where we are about to put to death the very flesh and body, and we are going to be raised to life. This is like a Lazarus funeral, where we might have died in the flesh, but Jesus is coming and he's going to speak rise and come and the new life will be lived through us this is a funeral that we're going to party at see Paul is such a clever writer and what he's doing here in some context he's writing to the Galatian church he's writing to Paul he's having to go with Paul the apostle and and he's going head to head because he's saying about the believer's true identity that we're not saved by keeping the law you're not saved by keeping law. You're not saved because of what you do. You're not saved but anything else but through the faith and blood of Jesus Christ. Our identity isn't found in what, but it's in who. You're not saved of what you do. It's who you are. And isn't it amazing that we sing, oh, the overwhelming. I can sing, I think. Never-ending, reckless love. It's a reckless love, and it chases us down. And it's like His death on the cross was not cheap. It cost God absolutely everything. It It was everything to Him. And I think we need a life, we need to live a life that's worthy of the price He paid on the cross. Not lukewarm Christianity no more. It's what we're living resembling the price He paid today. And if it's not, it's time to start afresh this morning. And he says this, Paul says, who belongs to the Messiah? And how is that identity expressed? And he answers this, those who belong to Jesus are those who are what? In Christ, not in themselves. They are dead to themselves. But, everybody say, but. Alive in Christ. And that's why he can say, it's no longer I who lives But Christ, Jesus, the Son of God, now lives in me. That's why he can say that. And I want to be a church who can say the exact same thing, that we believe that the crucified Jesus is the Messiah. He is God. He's the only way to Him. And if we are in crucified Jesus, that means our previous identities are irrelevant. They are dead. Sal no longer exists. Christ exists in and through Sal. Though I live in this body not I live, but Christ in me. John Calvin, famous theologian and teacher of the 16th century, love him. He wrote this, Christ lives in us in two ways. The one life consists in governing us by the Spirit, the choices we make and the actions we take. And the other one is partakers of His righteousness. What I'm about to preach doesn't make you saved. What we're about to preach is a response and a fruit of being saved. Amen? Nothing we do saves us, all that He does. But in a response to that free gift of salvation, our lives must look different and, and, and resemble the life He paid. Amen? So I just you need to know that. But us today, we need to die to our old identities. I die to our old way of living, our carnal flesh, and live in the crucified life in Christ. And it's so far better. Amen? It's a hard one to preach. It's a hard one to hear because in today's culture, we're obsessed with staying young. Amen? 
Like, we are, think about it. Have you heard of the terms, right? It's like 30s is a new 20s, and 40s is a new 30s, and 50s is a new 30s. Like, well, we're going to get to 80s. Like, you know, 80s is new 40s, man. Like, no, it's not, man. You're almost 20 years to meeting Jesus. It's fine, right? We're so obsessed with staying alive because God has placed eternity in our hearts. So for the Western world to hear, for me to live, that means I need to die. It's like such a, an oxymoron in our head. It's a paradox. Like, how does that even work? But God's ways are so much better, and it's exactly how He's called us to live. I want to say, I am, say, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I, but Christ lives in me. And when He lives in you, if that's going to be the confession of your heart this morning, make sure you let Him drive and live and run and lord over your life, okay? Like, you know that song, Jesus Take the Wheel? You know, Jesus Take the Wheel. It's like back in the days and like all the older people will know it. Like, if He's taking the wheel and you're having a seat in the car, please don't do, and I can say this because my wife does it and I love her, but she's not here to defend herself this morning. She's downstairs. But don't be a backseat driver like my wife does, okay? Like when I'm driving. I know that there's a car coming um, in the roundabout. You don't have to go, babe, watch out, there's a car. I'm like, oh my gosh, where? Like, I can see it. I thought it magically appeared in front of me. What are you yelling at me for? Or like, she'll just say, hey, babe, make sure you slow down this point. Hey, babe, it's gone 40. Hey, babe, it's 60. I'm like, oh my gosh, honey, take the wheel. Like, if you want to drive, you should have just said so, right? How many times does Jesus ask us to do certain things with our lives? And when they go, no, God, I think you should do it this way. I think you should answer my prayers this way. I think you need to do it this way. If he's taking the wheel of your life, Life. Don't be a backseat driver. Let him drive your life. Amen. And all the backseat drivers said, <laughs> Caught you out. That was a joke. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. You must be friends with my wife. I said to her, Where have you been? Like, how am I alive at 37? And all this time, you've never been in the car with me. Like, how have I not been? You know, anyway. So, All right, this morning we're going to see how to live in the crucified life of Christ. How to live this crucified life. So we're going to look at John 9, uh, sorry, Luke 9, 23. That's where we're going to hang for the rest of the sermon. If you've got notes, take it. If you're taking notes, Luke 9. It says this. He said to them, he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me me. For whoever will save his life shall lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is man advantaged? If he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whoever whoever shall be ashamed of me and my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in all his glory. So what does Jesus say? How do we live this? Number one, To live a crucified life, we need to start with the first step, deny yourself. Not live in self-denial, but deny self. Now, I know what this looks like to an extent. So I'm currently in a um, fitness accountability group here at GGC Life Church, and um, 
I said it this morning, and apparently these fitness guys in this church started texting each other throughout my whole sermon. So um, you're all in trouble, by the way. But I'm in a really top secret group. I can't tell you who is in this group. You need to look as good as me to get in this group. So it's open to anyone. Trust me, you can all join. But um, every week they're typing in this text, hey, this is what I've been doing. This is what I've been eating. I've been eating like kale, spinach, this and nuts and this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like seriously. These guys are denying themselves of all the best food that God has given us. Like, man, like my wife has just had a baby. I can't be along in this journey with them. Like, I don't want her to look, feel bad that she's eating maxi bonds, like the greatest gift to mankind, maxi bonds. Hey, by the way, if you eat a maxi bond, you eat the magnum first, then the sandwich. If you don't know what a maxi bond is, during the altar call, please put your hand up and I'll pray for you. But they're denying themselves of things like pork chops, like things like honey flavored chips, things like Nutella and chocolate and lollies. And oh my gosh, can I just confess, I have not been doing that. I've been eating all the best food that God has given us. And that's why I don't look like Dean right now, or even CJ, our new competitor in this church, like, you know, to look as good as them. They need to deny themselves of some foods in order to get the better things in life to be able to be that fit. Does that make sense? They need to deny themselves of certain things. And it's the exact same thing in our Christian life. We need to deny what looks good for us so we can take up what is better in Christ. What looks good for us but better in Christ. It's saying no to some things and saying yes to the better things. It's a process of denial. It's to humbly submit our will, our desires, what we want. We, we submit them and surrender them to Almighty God because He knows better, He is better, and He has our plan mapped out for us. You see, yeah, you can clap to Him, He's good. You see, my will and desire growing up is I wanted to do what every young man wanted to be. I wanted to be rich, famous, and attractive. Oh, I love them. I wanted to be that. I actually wanted to be in a band growing up. And not just any band, ladies and gentlemen, no boys and girls, girls and kids church. I wanted to be in the coolest band in the 1990s. Yes, I wanted to be the sixth member of the Backstreet Boys. Because everybody, oh, yeah. Right now, no, 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 I can't do that at the 11 o'clock. Leo's watching right now. I wanted to be a Backstreet Boy so bad. Like, I wanted to be the better Nick Carter. Yes, I know his name. And, and it was my will and desire. And can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I surrendered it up to God and I didn't pursue it. And two years ago, I was on the cruise with our elders and um, karaoke came up. And I said to the men, we are doing Backstreet Boys. And I got to sing in front of a whole bunch of people. I live to be a Backstreet Boys. You can all go home. That's all I want to say. You know, Frank Sinatra, he says, I did it my way. My way is not as good as his way. God's ways are far greater. He knows better than us. He knows what we want before we even know what we need. We, we, we go to him for what we want. He comes to us with what we need. And when we deny ourselves and put up and pick up our, our cross and follow Him, He gives us what we need, not what we want. You know, there's a story, and I want to example, show you this illustration in Mark 5. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. We, get, we look at two characters, Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood. What's her name? 
She's only ever known as her condition. She's only ever known as the label society placed on her. And then what happens is this. I'm going to read you the story. Jesus is walking, and he's been crushed. There's no social distancing going on back then. He's been crushed. And, 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 and this woman, the woman with the condition of blood, she's been trying her ways for 12 years. She's been doing it her way, and nothing has happened. And she's spent all her money. And so she gets on her knees, and she starts to crawl through. Imagine this. She's passing through. She's passing through every single person just to reach the hem of the garment of Christ. And there are people looking at her going, how dare you? You shouldn't even be out in public. What are you doing? All the stuff that she's been accused with, she doesn't care. If only. Only I can, I will be healed. And then she touches Jesus, and Jesus goes, and imagine this, he goes, and it's like, whoa, who touched me? And the disciples are clueless, because they're like, if you watch The Chosen, you're like, oh, yeah, they're clueless. And they're like, and what are you talking about? Everyone's touching you, man. Are you sure he's the son of God? Like, everyone's touching you, Jesus. Are you kidding me? Power just left me. It's never happened before. Power just left me. Some, and then she's there, and he gets up. And the story is, is she's healed. We know that. Jesus goes, you were healed. And that's the end of the story. But we're missing an important piece. Jesus didn't just heal her. She went to him for a need. He gave her what she needed so much more. Not, he goes, he, she was always known as the woman with the condition of blood. And in front of every single person, Jesus looks at her before he even heals and goes, daughter. He establishes her identity in front of the thousands who are looking. No more. You're the woman with the issue of blood. You are now daughter. He comes to us when we go to him, when we bow our knee and deny our lives. We go to him with a want. He gives us a need. He gives us so much more. He's incredible. Amen. Daughter, let go of trying to run your life. He has a better plan. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. You know, John 3.22, we read an interesting conversation with uh, John the Baptizer and his disciples. John 3.22. And he was baptizing. John was also baptizing. And it says here, now discussion arose from some of the disciples over, uh, uh, hang on, where are we? Rabbi, who was that with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness? Look, he's baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it's given to him from heaven. He continues saying, and he's talking about Jesus. And then he says this, therefore, my joy is now complete. Because I'm friends with the bridegroom. He must increase, but I must decrease. We're really good at the increasing part. You do it every Sunday here. God, fill me, fill me, fill me. Holy Spirit, come fill me, fill me. But I must decrease in order that Christ can increase in us. We cannot have it both ways. It cannot be fully Sal and fully God. It needs to be fully God and none of Sal. Then we can pray, not my will, but your will be done. All right. The second thing is this. To live a crucified life means you take up your cross daily. Yay. No amens there. <laughs> Woo um, maybe I'll just figure out what's for lunch. Take up your cross daily. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, 
then don't, he didn't say, hey, follow me, put on a Christian t-shirt, stickers in your car, bam, done. He didn't say, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, come to church and sit in the front row, bam, done. He didn't say, get cool Christian tattoos like Sal, bam, done. No, what did he say? You want to follow me, deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, daily, daily. For nearly 400 years, the people of, uh, I'm going to pronounce this right, Obahamagar, Yes, Oberhammergar. Took me 30 minutes to learn that. In, Ber- in, in Germany, we put it on a play. It's called the Passion Play. And what they do, it, they've started this in the 1600s. And um, they, they, they depict the life of Jesus, like his last week on earth, the crucifixion and all. And what happened, the story was told as an American visitor, he was watching the drama being unfolded. And he sprung into action when the actor portraying Jesus, he fell while carrying the cross. The tourist was caught up in the emotion of the moment and wanted to lift the cross off the back of Jesus. Expecting it to be a prop, he reached down with one hand and he found he couldn't move the, wooden, the heavy wooden cross. And after the play was over, he met the actor who told him this, I found that I cannot look like Christ without carrying a real cross. We cannot look like Jesus without carrying our real cross cross and it is a heavy cross and you have to carry it but never on your own because you have Jesus in you because you're crucified no longer I live but Christ lives in me that enables you to carry whatever cross in your life you need to carry what anything you need to lay on that cross you see the cross is more than just a symbol of Christianity it is literally an expression of what Jesus demands from those who would follow in his footsteps. Romans 6 says this, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we? We are dead to sin. How, sorry, how shall we that we are dead to sin live there any, any longer? Know ye not... That so many of us were baptized in Jesus, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God, even so now we should walk in the newness of life. You know what Leon said this morning? Smile, because it's not bad news. Death is only the beginning because a new life awaits you on the other side. And I'm not talking about just eternity. I mean the here and the now. He continues for, he says this in verse 6, knowing this, that an old man is crucified with him that the body of sin may be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. The old man is crucified. It's fastened to the cross. And because of this body, we don't, the body of sin be destroyed. We don't need to serve sin. We, 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 in the crucified life, we are dead to sin. You know, the devil wants to tell you this. This is how you carry your cross. Whatever sin you're dealing with, that's your cross. Carry it. 
He wants you to think that the weakness of yours that you need to carry, I'm always going to be the alcoholic. I'm always going to be this addiction. I'm always, it's my cross to carry. It was never your cross to carry. You're not meant to carry that part. You're meant to crucify that on the cross. It's meant to be death. The crucifixion is not one of suffering alone. It's one of death. And that means we are more than overcomers. We are more than conquerors. We can defeat whatever is holding you back to be more like Jesus. The battle has been won. The victory is yours. Now it's up to you. Were you going to take it and actually say no to what you need to say no to? This is real Christianity. It's not easy, but it's great, and it's how we're called to live. Amen? Is this okay? Do I still have my friends at the back there? (laughs) Jokes. Our lives, no, you're my friends. Our lives are not meant to perfect holiness, but rather reflect His holiness. In all we do, our lives should reflect holiness. In the process of crucifixion, we need to ask ourselves, what in our lives needs to be put to death in order for us to walk in absolute freedom? Hmm? The lot. What is in your life that you are carrying that you need to crucify? What is it? Think about it. What's holding you back? what What are you carrying that you're not meant to carry? It could be guilt, it could be shame, it could be condemnation, I can't do this. Whatever it is, don't carry what you're not meant to carry. He says, my burden, my yoke is light, is easy. So when you carry the cross, he actually, it might be hard, but he gets behind you and he carries it with you. He enables you to give up what you need to die. You know, you need to starve, say starve the flesh. We need to starve. What happens when you starve something for too long? It dies. These guys are starving their flesh and their fat are literally is dying. In the same way as Christians, we need to starve to death the flesh that's holding us back and then feed the Spirit of God to increase more of Him and less of me. And practically, it looks like not staying up to 11 p.m. watching Netflix. Practically, it looks like, I don't know, whatever it looks like for you. What do you need to starve? What sites are you on? Who are you talking to? Who are you hanging around with? What are you listening to? Where is your mind going? Starve the flesh to feed the spirit. Amen? We become more like Christ. He's incredible. And you don't do it alone. You do it with the help of Christ. It says this, but in Christ, God sets us free, not only from the penalty of sin, but also from the power of our sin that remains active in our flesh. It says, but who? But in us or in Christ? Who does it say? In Christ, you have the ability to kill the sin. It is so good. He's so good. For the help of Christ. But you know what? It's not a one-time decision. It's not just coming up to the altar. Can I just say, it's not coming up. Sorry, camera guys. I know you hate me. Um, This one guy just joined the camera team. And um, he's been on for a couple of weeks, and they said, oh, next week's Sal. Um, You might not want to be on with Sal. He walks a lot, and we hate the way he just walks around. But it's fine. I'm preaching to the camera and you guys. Listen to me. It's not a one-time decision. It's not just coming up to, it starts at the altar, and it continues in every, it's not a one-time decision, but a decision in every moment of our lives that we will crucify the flesh and live in Christ. Amen? Every moment we decide, what would Jesus, the, the WWJD, bring those bands back, Leon. Design cooler bands. What will Jesus do? How simplistic and yet how complicated do we make it? Would Jesus watch it? No, don't watch it. Would Jesus do it? No. You know what, parents, I do it like this. If I can't watch it in front of my son, if I can't listen to it in front of my daughter, I won't listen to it. 
That's how I starve the flesh. One Peter four says, "Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself with the same resolve, with the same attitude of Christ." How did he suffer? He didn't winch. He went there, man. And he goes, "Because anyone who has suffered in this body is done with sin. Consequently." He's done, he's not living out of his remaining time on earth for human passions, but for the will of God. In other words, choose suffering, because if you don't, you'll choose sin. Sin is destructive, it destroys relationships, families, and friendships. And the louder and rampant, it's going to take you out. Crucify it, crucify it, crucify it. People say, how do I do it? The Bible says, run from, like, if it's sexual marriage, run. Get out of it. Just say no. But I feel, cool, you're dead. You're alive in Christ. You're alive. Can I just say it real quick? You're dead to yourself. Do we, have the, do we have the right to be offended, to be hurt by people? It's very controversial. Can I get bold enough to say no, you don't have the right? It's no longer I who lives, but Christ is living in me. But Sal, you've never had things happen to you. Can I just go out in public and say I've shared this before. When I was a kid, I was abused. Do I have the right to be offended still with that person? In the flesh, I do. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I have to go through a process of forgiveness and letting this person go from my heart in order for me not to live as a victim, but to live as a victor. I need to release them from the grips of offense, but only Christ in me can do that. I can't do it in my own flesh. And that's why when I deny and when I crucify the offense, what happened to me, yes, it was unjust. Yes, it wasn't fair. Yes, it deserves punishment. But you know what? Vengeance isn't mine. It's of the Lord's. Now, if I can forgive that person, how much more can we forgive those who don't like us or who talk about us or maybe offended us? Amen. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And it's such an amazing, we are made alive in Christ. It is so much better His way. So much better your way. We sing it. Hallelujah. I don't know the words. (laughs) I play guitar. I don't sing. (laughs) So much better His way. I've seen people hold on to stuff that cripples their body. Not worth it. It's not easy to let go, but you start the process and you let it go. Amen. There's a third thing is this. Oh, before I go to my last point, God is incredible because the moment you need help, the moment you cry out to God, He's there to rescue. You know, um, we always did this with all our kids. If they cry in the car, we sing, You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. And it calms them down, right? I know. It gets, this story gets even better. If this hasn't turned you around, this story will. So, um, so Aria, my little three-week-old today, she's crying in the car. I didn't say a thing. Lydia in the back seat. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. I love you, baby girl. And she stops crying after a while. And then she'll cry again after 10 minutes because she's hungry. We're driving to church. You are my sunshine, my only. She just calms herself. The moment we cry out to Father God. He comes like a rushing wind to comfort our souls. He's absolutely beautiful. He doesn't let us cry for more than we need to. He comes and comforts. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. But it only happens when we die to ourselves and allow Him in. 
the best of Christ is amazing. It leads me to third point. It says, you want to be my disciple. Call yourself a Christian. You want to be a Christ follower? Not a lukewarm but on fire? Not a cultural Christian but a real life Christian? Deny yourself, carry your cross, and follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Jesus is absolutely unadulteratedly, unashamed of telling you the worst parts of being a Christian. He doesn't hide it. There's no fine prints with Christ. He goes, follow me, carry your cross, nail things to the cross, say no to your desires, take up your cross and follow me. It's going to be hard. It's going to be wild. It's going to be an adventure, but it's worth it. That's what Jesus done. But Satan, ooh, your adversary, your enemy, my enemy, he hides his worst and he only shows you his best. And he does that with the fine print of life. See, all that really matters to the devil is the fine print. It's like, it's like the new iPhones have just come out. It's like this. This is how this is. It's like, it's like don't stuff it up. It does this. It's like, get the, la- get the latest iPhone 12 now for $0 up front and you will get free Netflix. And you're like, oh my gosh, free Netflix. I'm going. I want to get free Netflix. This is amazing. And you just sign up. And like, have you ever read the pages of the fine print? No one does that. I don't even know why they write it in there. It's a waste. No one reads it. And then, and, then, and then all of a sudden, you don't read the fine print. And he goes, get Netflix for free only for the first month because then you'll be charged $39 every week after that and then all of a sudden it's going to cost you five thousand dollars you're like whoa whoa my first bill came out at 350 dollars what the heck is going on that's just like the devil he goes come follow me do whatever you want sin is good it makes you feel good in the moment but then sin will destroy your life it's going to destroy your family it's going to separate you from the love of christ and you're like what i didn't read that part devil i didn't read it Jesus says, follow me. Yes, it's going to be painful. Yes, it's going to be hard. But smile because I have overcome the world. I live inside you. I've sent you the Holy Spirit who's going to come and He's going to comfort you. He's going to love on you. He's going to guide you. It's all truth. Following Him is worth it. You can't lose. You lose your life and you gain His life, which is far greater. He's so worthy of it all. (sighs) You know, throughout Scripture, the invitation was given by Jesus to follow Him, and it was a literal invitation. Dean, follow me. He would drop his guitar and follow me. It's exactly what happened in the Bible. Follow me instantly. Drop, follow me. I'm joking, tell you. The same invitation is given to you and I now. Will you say yes? It looks like this. It looks like one of absolute humility and obedience. It's to follow Christ is to humble yourself and to obey His every word. And it's to hang out with the Creator of all. And there's nothing like spending time with Jesus. My kids come close. My wife comes close. Nothing. He's so good. But it takes a life surrendered, fully surrendered, not as half-half, I'm about to come on stage, come off, I'm about to jump in the water. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm not holding anything back. And that only happens when you're crucified on the cross. No longer I who lives. And here's it. 
to be committed like Jesus, to be 100% committed is this. is to be like Him, to think like Him, to speak like Him, and to act like Him. And it's a process of transformation. You might be here going, I stuffed it up, Sal. I, didn't, I did not think, act, speak, or anything like Jesus yesterday. I fought with my wife in the car on the way to church. We took separate cards because I knew if we would, then I'd fight with her. And I stuffed it. How do I do it? It's a process. The Bible says that we are transformed daily by the renewal of our mind. While we are alive, the invitation is yours. Follow me. Yes, you stuffed up in the past. Forgiveness is yours. Grace is yours. I'm not looking at your sin mistake. I'm looking at the here and now. Will you bow your knee? Will you deny your life and will you follow me? He's our teacher. We are the students. When he speaks, we listen. Whatever he says goes. There's no buts. No, my, my worst hated word from my kids is but dad. Hey, son, can you please just, just pick up those clothes? But dad. Oh, no, not the word of God. I feel like dropping that on him. Son. I'm joking, Facebook land, I don't. But dad, I'm like, oh, huh, please just listen. But dad, please just listen. Now he's a kid. It's okay. He gets away with it. But when we mature in Christ, we're not kids anymore. We shouldn't be saying, but dad, really? Okay, I'll go. Father, I just thank you that we can become more like you. Help us, help us, help us to be more like you. We give you our lives. Surrender it all. Thank you for your work. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com, or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.